Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac, and this is your favorite Gundam podcast where we talk about everything from Gundam lore to the series, the OVAs, the movies, the music, mangas, and anything and everything that is related to Gundam. Brian, what are we talking about today? Isaac, we're here for a finale. Today is a finale day. It is Volume 3 of Mobile Suit Crossbone Gundam Steel 7. We're finally here. Act 3, the finale. This is awesome, Brian, right? Uh, honestly, it was great, Isaac. I, I loved it. You know, <laughs> Fair warning, listeners, this is a great story, and we're going to spoil the hell out of it today. So if you haven't read it, I highly recommend that you go read it before you listen to it. <laughs> you know, this whole Crossbone series, I was initially dismissive of it, but man... It's just a fun ride any which way you go into it. Hasegawa, the author, he just really delivers in big situations. He knows how to raise stakes. Uh, he's very creative in, in battles. There's always some good twists. And this volume, Isaac, it was basically one big fight. And it was the definition of everyone going all out. And we got to see a lot of, <laughs> a lot of conclusions to a lot of our characters. A lot of people are going to die. It was, it was a bit of a bloodbath, but it was a lot of fun. Well, Brian, let's start us off from where we were at last time when the uh, the heroes had their epic canyon battle to where this manga begins. All right, so as you said, after the canyon battle, the heroes were in possession now, Isaac, of the Icarus or the Speed King, depending on your uh, preferred you know, mobile suit manufacturer allegiance. I'm going to call it the Icarus because Speed King, that's a terrible name, Isaac. <laughs> It's a bit more appropriate for a racing manga, right? Like, but they drift. <laughs> they drift in, in the streets of Tokyo. <laughs> so chapter 11, called Steel 7, opens with our friend Twinkerbell riding away at her crossbone tail. So this whole time, Isaac, she's kind of been writing this story, which we saw her start in Skullheart. She's essentially writing the tale of the crossbone vanguard, which is otherwise secret, basically. Our heroes have left the Earth with the Icarus, with their mobile suits in tow. Harrison calls Suzuki, and he's like, oh, what do you mean you guys left? Oh, I'll have to send someone after you, but you know what? I'm a little busy, so it might take a while. So, again, Harrison, what a great guy. Love that guy. But Isaac, unfortunately, Harrison said he can't go with him on the operation because he is going to stay behind and try to use his authority to evacuate as many people on Earth as possible. Were you disappointed that Harrison wasn't coming? Yeah, it felt very dismissive because Harrison, in a way, was almost built up as becoming a member of the team, right? right? He'd always really been there to help out, and he was present almost as like the Federation bystander to every plot that involved the Jupiter Empire. It felt a little wrong to me. That That's one of the few flaws I could find in this manga. But he's, he's doing his duty, staying behind to help evacuate people from the capital and the, the, the target, or at least predicted target, of where the first strike will occur. I totally agree with you. They built it up like he was going to go, right? The only thing I can think of is maybe Hasegawa didn't want to kill him. <laughs> By default, he would die. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, spoilers, the survivability rate on this is not high, right? That's a good point, yeah. And plus, he would be going into battle with whatever, you know, crappy Federation suit he could get his hands on, right? That's sub-powered, not really customized like the rest of their, uh, you know, pirate-type mobile suits. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, he'd be taking his F-9-1, which is a little old at this point, so... Yeah, it, it's really for his own good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, he's a, he's a fairly decent fan favorite, so I think maybe he just didn't want to kill him. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. I'd be curious, listeners, what you think about Harrison not going. So, 
So our heroes take off their mobile suits. They dock with the little gray Isaac. The tech says, hey, I think it's Uman. He says, hey, we've got 20 hours to get seven mobile suits ready to go. And <laughs> I was like, that's not a lot of time, Isaac. That's pretty strict timeline here. Time has been a problem this whole series. Like, remember we were reading the last um, edition and they had to stop to meet so many characters. At a yep. certain point, we were like, what What are you doing? The attack <laughs> will happen by the time we have the team assembled. Like, we, we probably should have, I don't know. Can, is there a missile we can send <laughs> to buy us time? <laughs> Yeah, we could. We should talk about that too. Like, what are some alternative things? Like, maybe they should have tried to move an asteroid or something in the way. I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't have helped. Maybe they couldn't do that in time either. Uh, it depends on the energy, right? The output of right. that that colony laser. For yeah. the, the asteroid might have been the equivalent of you know putting paper in front of you in a bullet. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> in theory, it's an object in front of you, but at the same time, the amount of energy hitting towards you is it, it might as well be nothing. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's we'll have to chalk it up to that. Yeah, otherwise, you know, just go, yeah. go tow all your space junk to where it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, comment below if you're an astrophysicist and you, or I don't know, you work in the defense industry <laughs> and you, you you at least have some sort of thought about like, well, if an object was heading to Earth and we put an an asteroid in front of that object, would it make a difference, or <laughs> is it just gonna plow through if it's a beam of pure light and heat? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be in front of it. That's for sure. So while while in the little gray, Suzuki appoints Europa commander of the new, of this mission that's about to happen, based on her decision making abilities that he saw in the last battle, and then he also gives her, which I found this really interesting, Isaac. He gives her a machine to block brainwaves from the new type labs, so that Callisto can't read her mind. Maybe he's not sure because he's not really sure what the hell Callisto is doing. But I liked this because it was an attempt to bridge the new type stuff we've seen to Callisto's ability, even if they, the characters themselves acknowledge that they don't know if it's going to work. Right, yeah. At this point, nobody knows if it'll work because even as far as new types go, we've almost never seen anything like this where it was almost one-way mind reading. Yeah, it's very strange. We've seen two people be able to communicate over distances, but this is like being able to tune into someone's like channel yeah, <laughs> or, or their brain like it's a radio almost or something. Yeah, it's a new level, right? And not to be too sciencey here, but nothing in the physical world really can move faster than the speed of light, at least that we are aware of. So Callisto's little trick he pulls is not really possible with normal electromagnetic radiation or, or waves. Because <laughs> um, there'd be like a delay, right? You know, she would see it and then, I don't know, I don't know how long it takes light to get to Jupiter, but it's, it's, it's not instant. It takes eight minutes from light to get to us from the sun. So and then like 10 minutes later, he'd be like, oh, now I see what she's seeing. You know what I mean? So Right, yeah. But anyway, so up to this point, Isaac, we've got six pilots for sure. We've got the Death Gale squad, Tobia, uh, Suzuki, and they need, oh, and Europa, and they need one more. So Derek volunteers to be the seventh pilot. This is a really funny part of the manga where the mobile suit technicians were already, re- they were using up valuable time to put emblems on the suits, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> It might be needed in combat, right? I mean, you never know. You don't want friendly fire. When you, you've only got a handful of suits going up against whatever small army the Jupiter Empire's assembled. You want to make sure there's no friendly fire. <laughs> you got to make them look cool, man. That too. The rule of cool. So Suzuki gives him Harrison's F91. Uh, they were already putting Suzuki's emblem on it, but it turns out Derek's real name is like Mitchell, I think, and so he can use the M from Minoru. And Suzuki will will take the record breaker emblem uh, on his F90 uh, I type. 
Uh, so Tobia goes and puts a flower under a rock for Shadow. I mean, boo-hoo, Isaac. Does anyone care this guy's dead? He was a real, you know, asshole. <laughs> no, nobody cares. <laughs> Terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> but then I thought, Isaac, maybe they should have taken his cornix. I suppose, but you have to remember how complex that thing was just to fight. So now you have to learn how to use it in the handful of hours they have to actually get to the colony laser. That's true. So this is a case of like the enemy has a great weapon, but you have to decipher it before the the time runs out. Like, well, let's just focus on defeating the enemy and not deciphering this weapon that we just got our hands on. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, I'll go with that. It had some damage too. It was damaged. That's right. They'd have to fix it. Yeah. But it, it seemed like it was a maybe some of the most advanced mobile suits that they had access to. So I thought it was a little strange. I didn't at least mention it. But it is only a three-volume manga, so we got to move. This is, this is a fast-moving volume, by the way, Isaac. That would be a good thing to do in a rewrite, though. Well, maybe not a rewrite, but like if they did edit it, I don't know how Jupiter Empire troops would react if they see a Cornig heading towards them, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> or you could at least take something off of it. You know, Remember how in like Iron-Blooded Orphans they took the, the tail off the mobile armor? They could at least take some guns or something. I don't know. It could be kind of neat, but... Yeah, they'll uh, jury rig it together somehow. Yeah, totally. And if they did, I think the, I think Europa should take it. She should. You know why? Because, like, based on how we saw Jupiter Empire troops treat Tetanith, they would react differently to her, I imagine, and maybe not shoot her right away. Yeah. Or know? even Geary could take it, because then that, you know, he, he hates them, those guys. Yeah. It'd be funny if he used their own That's suit against true. them. That's true. He's a trained pilot. I don't know if, if Europa is. I mean, she can pilot, but, like, is she, like, of his level? Like, proficient? Yeah, probably not, right? Yeah. She's part of the ruling class, but not necessarily a trained pilot, trained officer. Those Dionas, or Dionas, however you want to say it, like you said, they seemed a little bit ceremonial, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was the princess squadron. (laughs) (laughs) So Bernadette then reveals to Tobia that she plans to, you know, leave for Jupiter after they do at some point. And she's hoping by the time she gets there, the colony laser will be destroyed and Europa's resistance fighters will have overthrown Callisto and she'll come back and claim her family name and try to get Tobia back to Earth as much as she can. Right. What do you think about her plan, Isaac? Is that too naive or this is too space princessy? To an extent, but also at the same time, it's like, well, it's very much addressing the, the, the sort of romance they've had, right? What romance is a romance without tragedy and that the possibility of separating so i was right. kind of like okay i see where they're going with this sort of quasi romeo juliet without the death <laughs> <laughs> at this point isaac we, we start to meet all of the new suits that our team is going to take to jupiter so the first one i think we see is the crossbone x1 full cloth uman's team has put all of the crossbone spare parts into this it's to them they say it's the last crossbone gundam spoilers it's not there's more later on but in this manga, it's the last Crossbone Gundam. It has this, this cool armor on the outside, Isaac, kind of like a cloak. Uh-huh. Uman says that armor is all of the remaining beam mantles layered together, which I thought was cool. It also has a flint's right arm because they're out of parts. This is the last one. We're going all in. I'm surprised they can even like put together what they have now. You know, I thought it was all kind of used in the canyon battle. Maybe they had extras somewhere else. They just couldn't get to them at the time. That's, that's how I yeah. interpreted it. Or any engineers and service team off pages was busy doing this. They yes. were salvaging everything they could, knowing that, okay, when we're, when we're done with whatever's happening in that canyon, we'll need to like patch them up and get them ready for a final attack on the colony laser. Right. They went and got everything out of storage or something. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. 
Tobia looks at the X1 and he mentions that it, it's, you know what, it's getting a bit worn out. It's a bit dirty, Isaac. This thing has been through hell and back. And Uman's like, yeah, you know, we've been using it since Kincaid was here. I miss Kincaid, Isaac. He was a great character. I liked him. Yeah, but you know what? He's busy making rolls. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I thought you were going to say he's busy making babies because I guess he's doing that too. But. Oh, either way you cut it, Brian, he's putting a bun in the oven. <laughs> I knew there was going to be a bun in the oven joke there, but I set you up for that one. Yeah, you did. It was a nicely done, whether you tended to or not. But <laughs> Tobia then sort of rhetorically asked Kincaid what he should do since he can't be with Bernadette because he sees it as a very parallel to Kincaid not being able to be with, with Bera. And Kincaid's adoption of a fake name gives Tobia an idea. And then he sees Bernadette in the hall and he tells her, you know what, even if Tobia can't come, I will still come to you, Bernadette. And he finally kisses her, Isaac. It only took like, how long has it been? Over a year. (laughs) (laughs) Three years, three years. Three years. They've aged considerably and he worked up to it. But you know what? It all paid off, especially since the world may be ending in a matter of hours (laughs) if Jupiter gets their way. Right. So now we have a roll call, Isaac. There's The team is going to split into two attacking teams. We have attacking team A, which is basically the Death Gale squad. Burns is in a souped-up Tortuga. Uh, it's called the Bala Tortuga. Although it's not really upgraded that much, Isaac. I looked it up. All they did was replace its hammer arms with beam cannons, which seems like a good idea, but it's basically the same thing. That's pretty brilliant, because if you remember, the Tortuga was essentially a wall the last time we saw it. It had almost no attack. So now that he's got very powerful offensive attacks, I think he might be nigh unstoppable. (laughs) Raspberry is in something called the Aranya Abajo, which is basically a combination of an Aranya and an Abajo. She's got these like long beam cannons, Isaac, which are kind of cool. So she's going to be the long-range support, whereas Burns is going to be close-range support. Hers is probably the most least impressive of the group, I guess. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, well, her mobile suit wasn't much to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> right? Yeah. It was the little the little annoying hornet, the little mosquito that's supposed to distract the Gundam. So uh, they did what, what they could with the time that they had. <laughs> and probably, I think, the most interesting, Isaac, is Geary. Geary is in a Vignagina 2. Uh, I believe that's the suit that Barra piloted, or she piloted a, a Vignagina 1 in F91. Except this is a Vignagina 2, Isaac, and it's red. Now, authors choose their words carefully, Isaac. In the text, it says this is a captured suit from the old war. And if you look up into the lore, the Vignagina 2 is known to have been piloted by Darrell Rona sometime between F91 and when Crossbone starts. So more fuel to the fire, Isaac, wow. that someone either connected to the Crossbones or Harrison, or someone did Darrell in, and they took his suit in. This is basically I mean, Darrell's suit, I think. Yeah. God, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> Please be alive, <laughs> so we can see you in an upcoming epic series. I don't know, but just because they have the suit, it not necessarily means he's dead. Need to remind you, uh, Gato abandoned Unit 2 just to survive. <laughs> True, and the suit is intact, or clearly in working order, at least it was in enough working order to restore it, right? So Exactly, yeah. Uh, so that's attacking Team A, the Death Gale Squad. Attacking Team B is Suzuki. He's going to be the attacker in the F-90I type. Again, which I believe, I think, I'm inferring, is F-90 Unit 1, which is the same unit from Gundam F-90, same one from the video game, Formula Wars. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. Derek is going to be long-range support in Harrison's F91, and Tobia is going to be close-range support in the X1 full cloth. 
and Europa is going to be the commander attached to the Icarus in her angel Diona. Wow. And the operation name is Steel 7. We finally got the name. Of course. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> and we finally get nice big double page splash walking pilot shot, right? Where all the pilots are walking together. A very, very nice. I like that a lot. Hasegawa is a great panel composer. That sets a lot of authors apart from being good and great. And he's, he's really good at it. I think he does a great job. Mobile suit combat is hard in a manga. We've talked about this before. Overall, I'd say his mangas have been much clearer to read than some of the others we've read. Yeah, it's been good enough to the point where I felt like it was a, a legitimate translation. Yeah, you felt like you were watching it, right? Yeah, exactly. No interruption, no no bad comprehension through the reading. It was smooth. I would describe it as smooth. Yeah, that means he has a good a good eye for story flow and story structure and page structure. That that's a big thing in comic books. I mean, there's been books written about it. Will Eisner, who you know the Eisner Awards are uh, named after, he has three you know three books basically about how to write comics. So, so anyway, this was a, a much needed shot of our all of our pilots together. So, chapter twelve, Hand of Evil. Whose hand could that be? <laughs> We're gonna find out. Um, so, after a week of flying in the Icarus. Our heroes arrive in the Jupiter Sphere, and they are greeted by a heavily fortified colony, Laser Isaac. So the Callistos, they're not messing around, Isaac. We, we're jumping into the fray here. And right away, they announce that they're 20 minutes away from firing the laser. So we are not wasting any time. Did you like that? I thought that was a good move. Yeah, it was pretty brilliant. I mean, clock's ticking. We've wasted who knows how many hours <laughs> <laughs> meeting Geary for you know the sampling of his five-course meal. <laughs> and here we are finally for the final battle. Thank God it's finally happening. <laughs> so the Jupiter forces open fire. And at this point, we learn that Europa has given Tobia the ID documents of her former lover named Curtis so that he can use it to use those documents to stay on Jupiter while he waits for Bernadette. Uh, you can see how Tobia's idea of Kincaid's fake name gave him an idea, and now he has ID documents for Curtis. So you can basically infer that at the end of this, he's going to be Curtis if he survives, not Tobia. He's setting himself up for what he thinks will happen. Right. We'll see if it actually does. <laughs> <laughs> Byrne continues to have comments that make me very nervous that he's going to die. He apologizes to his son, uh, his dead son, for having to put on you know his helmet again and fight. And I'm just like, oh, man. This guy's not going to make it, Isaac. <laughs> he could have been the hero and the main character in his own story in a way, right? Like a Burnside story because, God, what a story. What an origin story, you know? Like yeah. the he's got his Uncle Ben moment with the death of his son, and then yeah. he has to fight the enemy even though he realizes he's he's really the enemy. He's really the bad guys. And then he turns on them. Oh, man, Burns has a story. Yeah, Burns is great. I like Burns a lot. Our heroes launch towards the laser. They disembark. Europa turns her psycho shield on and off to mess with the Callisto brothers, and it's working. So it's clearly operating on the same thing as new types use. So maybe Callisto really just is some sort of weird new type or some sort of weird new type family. What did you think about the shield actually working, Isaac? I thought it was pretty brilliant. I mean, it's needed, so I thought it should work <laughs> to give them an edge yeah. against the sheer numbers they're facing. <laughs> yeah. I also like that it just it called back to the new type labs, which, you know, we haven't like heard about in this series at all and really not in F91 either. So, yeah, this you know, really upsets Callisto. And now he wants to actually bring her in alive so that he can beat her to death again. Callisto, very upstanding member of society. <laughs> <laughs> the leader we'd all vote for. <laughs> 
our heroes sort of carve up some suits and push the Jupiter forces back to the colony. There's a cool back-to-back shot of Toby and Suzuki. Again, great panel composition. Toby fires the Peacock Smasher, which is very neat. It's this crossbow thing. I guess this part, though, Isaac, if this was animated someday, I would want a lot longer of a fight between our heroes and the grunts. I feel like there's lots of opportunities to show off all the suits they brought. Because after this, we kind of jump right into the fights with uh, the Callistos. I don't know. What did you think? Right. Some of them are units that we've seen before, like typical Jupiter Empire grunt units. There's one I saw that was very bulbous and kind of roundish, and I kind of wanted to see more of it. And I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, God, is this like Jupiter Empire's Dom or something <laughs> like that? But, I mean, you know, so much is happening, and these suits are being slapped around left and right in a very Jupiter Empire way. They're, they're kind of just cannon fodder. So right. it's it was exactly what we thought would happen when uh, the mass Jupiter Empire mobile suits come face to face with heavily modified experienced Gundams (laughs) I wonder if it's the same one I saw because I did see one that I didn't know what it was I I thought it was new and then I went to look it up but I couldn't find it so I'm wondering if maybe it was sort of never named and and never given a profile kind of thing but it almost had like a dome shaped head kind of dome shaped shoulders yeah Okay, maybe we were thinking of the same one. I don't know if, you know, captains were leading it or squad leaders, but it was, it looked different enough than the usual run-of-the-mill ones that I assume this was uh, the Colony Laser Defense Edition mobile suit. <laughs> we know what was odd, though, Isaac. I did not see any Jupiter Gundams in this battle, any Amakusas. Ah, well, they used the last of them, Brian. <laughs> they did, yeah. I, I guess Shadow <laughs> took them to Earth and they're all dead now, but... Yeah. And the Callisto said, we're not doing that again. <laughs> I said, we tried that once. I'm putting everything into the colony laser. <laughs> the Jupiter forces, they actually go and they focus on the left and the right flanks on the attacking team. So Europa does a genius move here, Isaac. She detaches from the Icarus and sends it on a kamikaze run to the laser, acting as a giant beam blade, which destroys countless grunts in its wake as it approaches the laser. But as it is about to hit the laser a very unexpected thing happens two mobile armors slash mobile suits shaped like giant hands catch the icarus stop it and tear it apart what did you think when this happened i thought (laughs) this isn't good (laughs) but at the same time i was like this is kind of inevitable too right yeah yeah (laughs) the technology we've seen Right, yeah. You knew it wasn't going to be that easy. But turns out these Master Hands, uh, that you know, as a Smash Brothers reference, that's what I thought of. Did you think of Master Hand and Crazy Hand? I was thinking of that exactly. I was like, okay. I was trying to remember, when did this come out? Because if this was like post-mid-90s, he would have immediately known about fighting Master Hand, which was a giant hand in uh, the first Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64. Yeah, this came out well after Smash Brothers, so I think this is in 2007-ish. This has been at least three Smash Brothers games out at this point. That's true, yeah. So they knew. <laughs> they knew exactly <laughs> what they were doing. But it kind of works. It's it's half goofy, but half works. Yeah, it's half goofy, but also half terrifying, because they're pretty terrifying, actually, in the story. So it turns out these hands are piloted by none other than the Callisto Brothers. Light is in the left hand of Justice, also known as the Juristus Sinistra Dictus, and the bioclone of, of Shadow is in the the right hand of liberty or the libertas dextra dictus say that three times fast (laughs) yeah they then transform into their mobile suit modes which are very similar to the cornix they're half colored down the middle uh they're sticking with that color scheme which is which is very you know distinctive yeah they're very jupiter (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> Raspberry, you know, foolishly tries to fire the nozzle's beam cannons at one, but the other hand blocks it in hand mode with an eye field. And then the one in mobile suit mode uses a beam scythe to destroy the nozzle. So it's been like, you know, like two minutes into this battle, Isaac, and we've already lost both the nozzle and the Icarus. So like you said, things are not going well. The situation is deteriorating, even though these Jupiter grunts have been uh, slapped around left and right. Shadow launches funnels, but Geary cuts them all down with his whip. Burns implores Geary to attack the laser and face Shadow, and he says, you know, uh, I'll face Shadow myself. So this is a good tactical decision by Burns. You know, that's why he's here, to keep all these kids in line, on, on track, on the mission. So Burns turns around and turns on his shield, and the Tortuga's back. But the Dictus collides with it, with its eye field, Isaac. And it, it seems like someone's about to explode here, because the hand and the eye field is shoved onto the Tortuga's shield, which I assume is an eye field as well. So nothing good happens when you put two of those together, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kaboom. <laughs> yeah. So in chapter 13, Thunderbolt, Tobia watches as Geary and Burns engage the Dictuses. Can I call them the Dicti? Is that, do I have to mark this not work safe? Yeah, let's go with that. That sounds better. <laughs> that rolls off the tongue better. So Shadow, he crushes the Tortuga's back with his, you know, whatever, right hand of liberty. Where was it? With his Dicti, which explodes. The Tortuga floats away, sort of heavily damaged. So now I'm very worried about Burns, Isaac. Well, he's got a lot going for him because he's in the Tortuga. True. <laughs> so let, let's, I, I'm still counting on Burns at this point <laughs> in the story. <laughs> Suzuki tries to keep Toby focused, you know, saying, hey, we have to strike the laser now while the Callisto brothers are fighting the Death Gale squadron. And to me now, Isaac, this story has taken a huge 180, right? Right now, the Death Gale squad, they're the heroes. They're holding off both of the Callisto brothers at this point. It shows how effective they are as a team still, even though I'd imagine they're outclassed by the hands just because the dick die. <laughs> because <laughs> whatever suit the leader of the Jupiter Empire gets or mobile armor, it's always like unstoppably powerful. Yeah, they're great at mobile suit development over there. Yeah, well, at least, I don't know. There's two branches, right? You either get a grunt suit or you get something that's almost unkillable. <laughs> So Shadow now heads to Geary, whose Geary is still fighting light at this point. They rush him from two sides, and they cut off both arms of his Vignagina. So now Geary's got no arms, which means he doesn't have his cool whip anymore. That's not good. Suzuki then launches nukes uh, at the laser from his F-90, but the Jovian forces shoot one of the nukes and explodes and triggers an explosion, I think, or something like that. Or basically all the nukes get destroyed. And now Suzuki's out of nukes. He sort of shot them all. Do you think he should have maybe shot a few or tried to sneak one in Isaac was it wise to shoot them all like that I think it was wise because at this point the battle's been pretty heated they've taken some damage sure they've given some out but the clock's still ticking and that weapon can fire for all we know Jupiter is going to just fire it hoping they'll get near the capital yeah that's fair so Suzuki needs to resupply and at this point we now have two minutes left until firing Isaac so like I said Gary's in bad shape he's getting taunted now by light Light and Shadow try to smash him with, like, a clap in, like, hand mode. If you imagine they're both in hand mode, they try to, like, clap with him in the middle. It's a double whammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Gary escapes. He, he flies away, but they catch his legs. So they tear off the Vignagina's legs. <laughs> now his Vignagina has no arms and no legs. It just has sort of the head, the torso, and the two, I don't know, I'll call them, like, wing binders. What are you thinking now in terms of, of Gary's chances of getting out of here alive, Isaac? 
I feel like he's going to try to do something to go down with the ship because his chances aren't good, but maybe he can take down an opponent with him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Gary's pissed at this point because he's, he's kind of losing to the brothers. He hates both of them. And he was doing a really good job, <laughs> uh, you know, fending them off in his, what at this point is like a 13-year-old mobile suit compared to their super advanced mobile armor. I would have loved like a flashback to like his life at Jupiter when he like ran into the Callistos. Like what brought this on? This this unending hatred like Yeah, like a school flashback. That's what you need. Did they bully him? Yeah. Was it that or was it more like they took away the love of his life <laughs> or he just I don't know, he was giving a presentation and they like poured a bucket of paint on his head or something. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah, that could we could definitely use that in the animated version, right? Yeah. <laughs> would you prefer if it was something really small? Or it was like something huge. I think it would be something small that would, but it was. It needs to be very meaningful to him. <laughs> they got the last two bagels at like the, the military, the military conference. <laughs> He's like, you sons of. <laughs> they just got off on the wrong foot, like right away in like third grade, and that was it. They kept getting his name wrong. <laughs> they called him Gary. Yeah, they called. There you go. They called him Gary instead of Gary. <laughs> Every meeting, it was always Gary. <laughs> But Light is just sort of flummoxed here. He's, you know, like he's asking him, why, Geary, do you want to help Earth? Why do you care about them? And in typical Geary fashion, he replies that, you know, Earth, I don't actually care about Earth. I just want to ruin your plans. I really just hate you. Like you said, Isaac, he's going for it. He's going to kamikaze himself into the colony laser. So he's hurtling towards the laser, just boosting away with just his head and the torso and toby's like gary don't do it which is kind of dumb toby like let the guy have his moment we've got nothing else do you have a better idea at this point there's now 40 seconds 30 seconds great use of the timer here by hasagawa this very much reminds me if anyone has seen hunter cross hunter the chimera ant arc there's constant reminders of time which is used effectively it can be like a crutch or, or maybe not used so well but did you feel the the, the timer added some good tension here yeah, it was very much, uh, as usual, the hero's got to stop it before the shot gets off. You know, you, you always got to blow up the Death Star right before it's about to blow up the planet. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. The Callisto's fire on Geary, 20 seconds. But who comes to save the day, Isaac? Burns. He comes careening in right behind Geary, still ticking. His Tortuga's still alive. He's, like, smoking, and it's clearly not doing well. But gets behind Geary, he blocks the shot from light, which was meant for Geary, allowing Geary to pass closer to the laser. But as a result, Isaac, the Tortuga is destroyed and Burns is clearly vaporized. Man, he predicted it. Or if you remember on Earth, he was like, well, I think the next time I get in a cockpit, it'll be the last time. (laughs) Yeah, but he saved the day, Isaac. He's, you know, he's one of the heroes of the day for sure. He was a hero back in Crossbone Gundam. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. Uh, So 10 seconds are left now, and Geary tells the Callisto brothers that he will wipe the laughs off their stupid faces. As we count down from 10, he boosts towards the laser, and his last thought is very touching, Isaac. It's of Tobia telling him he's grown up a lot back when Tobia saw him first time as a chef on Earth. Well, considering that was clearly like his secret passion in life, (laughs) for someone telling you that after you've cooked for them, I feel like... It probably was a badge of achievement, right? Yeah, I think deep down, Geary knew that this was the right thing to do, and that's why he was doing it. Yeah. So at the one count, Isaac, Geary's Vignagina impacts the side of the colony, exploding, which obviously means that Geary is now dead, and the laser fires. However, Geary was successful, and the angle of the shot was thrown off by 0.1 degrees, 
So the laser missed Earth by hundreds of millions of miles. So Victory. <laughs> at least the first shot, we've made it through. Now, granted, we've basically lost two big members of the team and all of our vehicles besides the mobile suits. So we paid a heavy price to get here. Absolutely. And not to, not to get too hard-boiled in science fiction, but a small mobile suit making an explosion on the side of a colony... I don't really buy that it would adjust an angle that much. Well, actually, I buy it. I think it's fine. And really? the reason is because they're so far away. So any small movement here is magnified at a distance. If they were firing at something close, I agree, it wouldn't matter. But Earth is so far away that that small change in angle results in just a huge amount of distance of change uh, later on. So it's basically a triangle, right? So think of a vertex of a triangle. The two sides are very close in the beginning, but as the triangle gets bigger, they deviate further. So Earth is such a far target that any small change is going to ruin the Callisto's plan. Isn't the mass of the space colony just so great that a small explosion of a tiny mobile suit won't nudge it? Uh, no, I think it would nudge it for sure. It, it, all it really? has to do is nudge it just a, just a tad. And so it was 0.1 of a, of a degree, they said. I mean, you could argue if the 0.1 is too much, but even if it was like 0.01, I, I still think it would have saved the day. Okay, well, I'll go along with it for a bit, but I don't know. Me and Delaz don't really think this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our eyebrows raised as we read that page. <laughs> I mean, I think you should just take away that it, it was a small impact, but that's all they needed. So you're right in that it doesn't okay. really move the colony. It wouldn't be perceptible to you probably if you were on the colony. But in terms of, you know, what they're trying to do, it's it's very, very far. All righty. We'll go with it. <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> yeah. So Light then tells the Jovian commander to fire again when the angle has been corrected. And the commander is like, hey, man, that's too soon. The structure of this thing's not going to survive if we do that. And we won't be able to fire all the number of shots that you wanted to, to fire, whatever it was, 12 or 13 or something like that. And Light says he just doesn't care anymore, Isaac. What did you think when he did this? I was like, okay, it's a very Jupiter approach, right? Like, even if we're losing, we're still going to try to go ahead with it to the end, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Europa tells the team to regroup, which is now obviously down to five members. They're going to resupply Suzuki's F-90 with more nukes to try to do one last pass at this thing. They even admit here, Isaac, that this is probably going to be the last pass, right? Right. They're not going to survive another one. So Raspberry, though, she's kind of floating around separately. She kind of got lost. She's trying to stay alive. She's wondering if she should just sneak away. You kind of wonder if she's going to come back later. Uh, as Yoroba floats the nukes to Suzuki, though, light shoots one out of the sky, causing another explosion, which I believe, does that mean all the nukes have been lost now? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was it. So, again, not good. Uh, Light lashes out at Tobia, you know, saying to lose this project, which is what I live for. And I lost, what does he say? I lost half my body, uh, referring to his brother. Yeah. He says, that is a rejection of me, which just cannot be. And he goes to slash Tobia, but Europa throws Tobia the Muramasa blaster, Isaac, which man, that thing is pretty cool. Isaac, I love that thing. It's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I like it. I, what's cool about it too, it looks like it could go on different mobile suits. You know, yeah. there's no reason it can just stick to one. It looks like a very much, you know, if they streamlined it, they could just mass produce it for different suits. Yeah. And right now we get a wonderful two-page spread again of the X-1 full cloth expelling heat, through, you know, through its mouth, holding both the Miramasa blaster and the Peacock Smasher. This heat expelling thing is going to, I'll say, heat up uh, the next two chapters here. 
as we enter chapter 14, Breaking Space, Tobia surprisingly slices off the right arm of Light's dictus. That sounds really dirty. Light is shocked since <laughs> Tobia couldn't even fight Shadow one-on-one on Earth. And, you know, he asks what he is. As Toby is basically like Super Saiyan now, Isaac, right? He is just pissed, right? Burns is dead. Geary's dead. You know, Toby watched him die. He's sort of coming into his own. Whether he's using his new type powers or not, I don't know. But basically, he's he's really overworking the X1. And the X1 is just is continuing to expel more heat. He's beside himself. He's beside himself and he's just lobbing off digits on Dictus's <laughs> dick die. <laughs> <laughs> So now Shadow's Dictus enters the fray, double-teaming Tobia. Tobia is getting double-teamed by Dicti. Oh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. You know what? It happens. (laughs) Tobia Tobia scores a direct hit from the Peacock Smasher, though, on Shadow's, like, hand unit thing. And Tobia tells Suzuki to go for it and, you know, allows him to get by to go try to blow up the colony. He blocks a shot from Light in doing so, damaging part of the mantle armor. Toby and Light clash, you know, they're starting to clash at increasing speeds, Isaac, and the X1 is now continuously cooling and starting to break apart. I think this is great, um, Isaac. I thought this was a super cool way to sort of end the series. We learned about the cooling thing, the heat dissipation, originally in the F91 movie, and we learned in the original Crossbone Gundam that the Crossbone Gundam share this ability. And now, basically, you're going all in. This is the last Crossbone Gundam. Tobia is now pushing it to its absolute limit to where it just has to continuously cool itself. He's surviving, but it's not going to work because it's falling apart. Yeah, unfortunately, but you got to go for it in the final battle, okay? (laughs) (laughs) This is the boss battle, right? Yeah, it's a double boss battle, right? Exactly. It's (laughs) two-hander. You got to grab with both hands. (laughs) Europa notices this, and she becomes very concerned now. Uh, Derek wants to do something, you know, convincing himself that he might be able to help since the dick die don't try to evade as much as the Cornix does. He's still obviously traumatized from fighting the Cornix, but uh, Suzuki made him promise that he wouldn't break formation. However, Europa then breaks formation because now she realizes that Tobia just plans to fight until he dies, until the X-1 sort of breaks apart. So she breaks formation to go get Tobia, so Derek is, then feels that's an excuse for him to break formation. He leaves too. Uh, Shadow then cuts off the X-1's left leg, which allows Shadow to sneak past Tobia towards Suzuki. Light goes for another hit, but Europa jumps in front, saying, Light, why don't you kill me and feel the emotion caused by my death? Light, however, like grabs her with his little, I don't know, like grabber arm? What would you call that? Like a pincer? A pincer's a good word for it. <laughs> It's like one of those little things the old people use to grab things around the house. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) It's her claw. We'll go with her claw. Yeah, so she gets clawed by Light here, and he is just focused on Tobia because he can't believe that this kid's kicking his ass. So Shadow blows off Suzuki's F90 legs, uh, but Derek fires at Shadow with the F91 VSBRs, but Shadow blocks him with the I-field. And that damn I-field, Isaac, this is a bit of a reverse from from the original Crossbone Gundam, right? Like, Tobias used the I-field... To basically win in the final battle in Crossbone Gundam, and now it's preventing him from winning basically at every turn here. It's hurting his team kind of at every turn. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised this approach to it hasn't been taken earlier. Like, if we know this field can sort of bend and reflect beams away, we should almost continue that logic and say, well, can we just get it to the point where it angles it directly back at the opponent? (laughs) So Derek boosts in in his F91 now, expelling heat, just like in the F91 movie. And I think this is really hard to do in a manga. So it starts creating after images, Isaac. 
And I think it was hard enough to convey that in the film, if you remember F91. It was, unless you knew what the F9 was, was doing, causing those after images, you didn't really know what the hell was going on. But here in the manga, I felt like it, it was managed well. I mean, it was it's difficult, but I still I still got it. I, I thought it was okay. What did you think? Yeah, it it's an odd idea in general for any animation because we're seeing the same image twice, right? Yeah. Not so much a blur, but we're seeing after images that are all sort of separately positioned. So that's hard to convey but at the same time if you saw f91 presumably i hope before reading this you knew what was happening and your brain was okay with it (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point yeah if you i guess if you didn't see f91 this would be very confusing oh yeah if you didn't you thought a squadron showed up to assist (laughs) (laughs) you were like there's so many more f91s here (laughs) you're like wow like good on you harrison for deploying like the emergency (laughs) f91 response team (laughs) He really pulled all the strings, and how'd they get here so yeah. fast? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, he's got the teleporting right from the Chrono Gun. Now they got the <laughs> the Minoski light drive. <laughs> so Derek uses the after images here to get behind the Dictus, where there is no eye field protection, and he fires the VSBRs again, scoring a direct hit. This was a big win for Derek in his character, right? Like he finally did something. He's floating away. He's all happy that he avenged his friends, Yawn and Ulysses. Because, to be fair, Shadow's Dictus took a direct hit. You basically think he's dead. But what happens, Isaac? Well, he's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Shadow's Dicti is still functioning. He fires at Derek, you know, while he's, I don't want to say gloating, but sort of basking. The shadow of his former self. Zing. (laughs) Yo, still in the fight. (laughs) The beam goes through the the chest of the F91, clearly killing Derek and destroying his his suit. Uh, So Derek meets a very sad end. However, it's not like his shot was in vain or anything because the shadow's dickness... Shadow's dick tie is not really coming (laughs) back for this and he can't really move very well. So immediately Suzuki is just pissed now, right? Because now yeah. his last student has died, and he charges forward and just impales Shadow with his uh, lance that he has on the uh, the F90, uh, which is pretty cool. I'm glad they brought the lance back, Isaac. We hadn't seen that this volume. I love those lances. If you're bringing a lance, it should go through the main enemy, the enemy villain. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So he impales Shadow, finally destroying Shadow once and for all. I mean, this is now the, the bio-brain version of Shadow, not even the real Shadow. So, uh, But poor Suzuki, man. I, I feel the worst for him out of anyone in, in this uh, manga, I think. Yeah, definitely. But it had to be done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Light is enraged, obviously, now that his brother is truly gone. And he goes to you know kill Tobia. But, and Tobia's begging the X-1 to hold together at this point. So Light slices off the X-1's left arm, which already he already has no leg. So now the, the X-1 only has sort of the right arm and the right leg. I feel like this is like Star Wars sometimes. I keep in track of which mobile suit limbs are left. Everyone's losing an arm. <laughs> right. Did Luke lose his left arm or his right arm? <laughs> Did Anakin lose his left arm or his right arm? Right. What, what's going on? <laughs> in Count Dooku's case, you don't have to remember because he lost both. Well, yeah, he even lost his head. Oh. <laughs> hey! <laughs> So, but as a consequence of losing the left arm, he, he also lost the Muramasa blaster in the process. But, so it's sort of floating away, floating below him. But quick-thinking Tobia pulls what I would consider to be like a Kincaid maneuver, and he uses the scissor anchor to grab the Muramasa blaster as it's floating away and fling it back up, cutting off Light's Dictus's left arm and leg. It's a brilliant move, I think, because it uses the X-1's, like, unique features. Like, no other mobile suit has a scissor anchor, Isaac. So that's how 
I tell the difference between like a good author and a great author. Like this conclusion is unique to the things that he created in the story. It's not just, oh, he shot him like real good one time or something like that. Absolutely. And it like, <laughs> Callisto has been defingered. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Undigited. You got to hand it to Tobia. That was a great strategy. <laughs> Yeah, good point. He knows the mobile suit like the back of Callisto's hand. Or, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely here, Light retreats. He, he knows he's been damaged, and Europa's a bit surprised. But there are now 10 minutes left until the next shot. So we enter chapter 15, Isaac, the endgame. The direction he heads towards. Bad chapter name to end it on, but that's what it's called. The Jovian forces approach. Our heroes are in bad shape. The Diona is still okay, but the F-90 is now missing its legs. The X-1 has only one arm, one leg. Raspberry is nowhere to be found. Everyone else is dead. Suzuki volunteers to stay behind while Tobia and Europa go destroy the colony laser. This was a cool part I liked. Did you notice when the when Tobia and the Diona were flying into the colony, the Diona is now using the Peacock Smasher while the X-1 had the Murmasa Blaster. So he gave her the Peacock Smasher. Might as well swap, right? <laughs> Before we kill the final boss, we have to trade weapons because we're not going to use them again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they make their way into the colony and they just light this thing up. They're just... Imagine going into a colony and it's like, all right, let's blow it up. So they just start shooting everything and start shooting all the sides of it. I think they're, aren't they targeting the mirrors? Was that right? I think so. Or the power unit, something like that. But as we know, Brian, (laughs) colonies are so fragile. That's actually a pretty good way to go about destroying one. (laughs) Yeah. Just reckless, uh, aimless shooting, right? Yeah. uh, The colonies are both fragile and durable at the same time like if you're an individual inside a colony you can go about your business while the colony is under attack without really knowing um or even if there's holes in it but at the same time like uh, sometimes it seems a few shots take down a colony yeah like that one in what what was that one we read us was in silhouette formula f91 the one guy just shot a hole like a hole through the colony that was kind of it so yeah so i'm sure it's where you shoot it that matters we never really got a whole lot of background on this colony. No. Do you think this is just a normal colony, like one from the Earth's sphere? Or do you think something's different about this one? I think it's very much just an O'Neill-type colony for the Jupiter Empire. It doesn't look like they reinvented the wheel, did anything too customized to it. They just took one they had, kicked everybody out, and then turned it into a colony laser. So it's it's very much what we've seen before, and unfortunately probably because of all the power that's in it since it's a giant weapon it's it's that much more fragile and combustible i guess we are to assume that the colonies out there are the same as the colonies in the earth's sphere yeah close enough light comes back but now he's got a big axe with him isaac just because i guess big axes are cool did you notice did you laugh when he just came back with a random big axe <laughs> i thought it was very zionic in a way like it reminded me of like almost like something that dozel would take in a battle <laughs> oh yeah it reminded me of a big heat hawk yeah exactly so now there's two minutes until firing Isaac. Suzuki's taking fire, but Raspberry shows up and saves him. And they're they're back-to-back now. And uh, I, th- I don't think I mentioned this. When the battle started, she said that she would marry whoever survived. So at this point, I'm thinking, like, this guy's going to get a good ending. He's going to marry the mobile suit stripper with the huge space cleavage. <laughs> that would be a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Light demands to know why Tobia, you know, came all this way and messed up their plan. And he thinks that he was doing it to be righteous, to set history on its correct path, to punish the Federation for standing in the way of Dogati's vision. But Tobia just kind of refuses to talk to him, Isaac. Did you think that was a little weird? Not really, because, like, 
I think he's been through this so many times he's done with it. Mm, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> How many of these speeches does he have to hear? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus Light has like killed all of his friends, so I'm sure that Toby is not in the mood to really talk about it. Yeah, he's got tunnel vision right now. Europa's taking fire and you know, lights going on and on with his speech, but he does manage to snap uh, Toby is Muramasa Blaster with the axe, which is unfortunate. I was sad to see the Muramasa Blaster go, Isaac. But Tobia then puts on this sort of knuckle weapon that comes off of his his shoulder. It's not super clear in the manga, actually, because there's a lot going on. But if you look at a picture of the X1 full cloth, there's like this these like skull decorations on the shoulder. And they sort of come off to form these, uh, I don't know, fisticuffs, gauntlets? What would, what would you call it, Isaac? Gundam knuckles. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's brass knuckles and there's Gundam knuckles. <laughs> yeah, if if Tobia made himself brass knuckles, this is what it would be. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he attaches this knuckle and he charges forward and uh, light collides with him. He breaks the knuckle, but inside Isaac, Tobia was one step ahead. Inside is one of our favorite things. Not the foot knives, but it's it's the other thing. It's the beam fisticuff spike thing. <laughs> Although light, you know, broke the knuckle... He wasn't expecting a beam weapon inside, and Tobia just shoves it through his chest for the win. And that's the end. You, you could almost say he blew the light out. Okay. <laughs> you got snuffed. <laughs> How many more puns do you think we can fit in this episode? I don't know. Let's go for broke. <laughs> <laughs> so Tobia tries to leave, but the X1 is basically shot at this point, Isaac. Remember, he only had two limbs. It's out of power. It's overheated. It's falling apart. But the Diona appears, and Europa gets out of the cockpit. Tobia tells her to stop. They won't make it back if she has to drag the X-1 with her. But turns out, Isaac, she's bleeding badly into space. I think she's taken mortal damage, and she's not going to make it. Man, that's terrible. So she tells Tobia, look, I'm done. And she has the Diona throw the X-1 towards the exit. And she falls back into the colony, delirious, thinking that Curtis is leaving. Because if there was a, a bit in the earlier part of the story where she said that Toby actually looks like Curtis from behind. Uh, so it's very sad. She's in, probably in a lot of pain, very delirious. And her last thought is like, oh, there, there goes Curtis. Well, you'll be happy to know it's actually not Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> but very sad ending for her, don't you think? Yeah, that's true. But it was kind of inevitable. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, she got what she wanted, but... Right. The threat's gone. That's really what you wanted. You, you didn't necessarily want to survive. You just wanted to save people. So the laser fires, the colony explodes with the X-1 somewhat caught in the explosion. Suzuki's upset because he survived again and all the young people died. And then Raspberry says maybe some of the most profound words in the manga. She says, we have to keep living because there are those who live as long as they wish and there are those that die when they wish. I was like, wow, that's pretty good. I suppose so, but... <laughs> You could also put an asterisk. There's those that don't die when they wish. <laughs> True. And then there's those like like the Callistos that make others die when they wish. <laughs> That'll be Isaac's uh, addendums to Raspberry's <laughs> yeah. philosophy. It's just me with the Callistos. <laughs> like, we decide when it happens. <laughs> oh, so sad. That's a very like Jovian version of it. Yeah, you live as long as your leader decides. <laughs> Um, so Suzuki agrees and you know he's like yeah I guess you're right living is all that's left and they they fly away the Jovian resistance then arrives Isaac where were they before they were waiting for someone to knock out not only the colony laser but also the army protecting it 
they didn't have the strength to topple them immediately. They had mobile suits and stuff and like the ball equivalents. Yeah. But yeah, they, they really didn't want to go toe to toe. I assume Callisto could have wiped the floor with them. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, it's, it's just a bit of a waste, right? They could have, our heroes could have used their help when they started. Right. They could have done like an attack from two sides, right? They're clearly yeah. coming from, from Earth and then from behind comes, uh, you know, the, the resistance army. Or they could have launched some nukes, you know? Do they have any? I don't know. Hope so. No, they can make they one. They don't. If they did, Brian, they would have used it on the colony. Yeah, maybe. Right. As we've seen multiple times, you really only need one co- one nuke to take out a colony. Yeah. <laughs> but they come, Isaac, and in addition to sort of you know stopping Callisto's forces, they pick up Tobia in the, in the battered X one, and they take the X one away. Uh, and then we find out that later on, Isaac, the Federation kept this incident a secret. However, uh, Suzuki returned to the military, and he was assigned to be an inspector of the Jupiter sphere alongside his wife, Rosemary Raspberry. So he did get his happy ending. (laughs) I mean, they're a bit of a a May-December romance, but you know what? It works. (laughs) Love is love. I don't think Raspberry was being too picky here, so... (laughs) compared to the swine she was used to drooling over her at her shows i'm sure she was glad to get a a gentleman that was educated and you know professional i thought this part was hilarious isaac raspberry published a book about the incident but it was so bad and over the top that the federation didn't even bother censoring it because they thought it actually helped turn the incident into more of like a mythical legend that no one would take seriously That's pretty good. And I think it also said that like she since she really only comes into like contact with the group in act two, she missed a lot of key information. <laughs> yeah, it says something like she had so little understanding of what the hell was actually happening <laughs> that it was just right. nonsensical. Yeah, she probably knew nothing about like the Jupiter resistance and like I don't know. It sounds like an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Our friend Harrison was kicked out of the military for actually being too aggressive about the incident with his superiors trying to, you know, evacuate people. However, the the higher-ups at the Federation did finally understand the seriousness of the situation, and they moved their capital, Isaac, to the moon in a place where no single colony laser could ever target it. This seems like big news. Does this jive with what we see in Victory Gundam or G-Savior? I don't recall if they ever mentioned it. I was thinking about that. I I was like, wow. And then I was thinking... I don't think this is true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it meshes with canon. But then again, keep in mind, Harrison, not being a top officer, had the ability to at least submit a proposal to get the capital moved. So it could easily, if not faster, be moved back to somewhere else. (laughs) So for all we know, this was a temporary emergency thing, right? And it was quickly reversed once the crisis was over and after the Federation kind of debriefed everybody and was like, okay, the threat is passed. We're, we're moving back to Earth. <laughs> I did a, a quick search on him, and honestly, it seems like no one really knows exactly where the Federation's capital is. It gets a little murky. So obviously in the One-Year War, people think it's in Jabrao, but in Zeta, it moves to, I think... Dublin, right? No. Or that was double Zeta. That was double Zeta. But in Zeta, I think it moves... They move like their military to like the Kilimanjaro base, I think, somewhere else too, I forget. But then in Charge Counterattack, it's in Tibet at Lhasa where they drop the that mining asteroid. And then obviously in Unicorn, the, the, the remnants attack Dakar. But then I didn't see a lot of discussion like after Charge Counterattack of where it is. So I don't recall what we see in Victory Gundam or even G-Savior, but listeners, if you remember, does this move to the moon, is that to sync it up with what we see in Victory Gundam or in G-Savior, or is this just sort of never mentioned again, I guess? My headcanon is kind of like, 
the Federation has weathered so many asteroid and colony drops and so many attacks from space that it's it's mastered the ability to distribute its leadership and keep fighting. Yeah. So it's it's almost a moot point. It's almost ceremonial having a a, a capital per se. Yeah, and if they were smart, they'd have like multiple capitals, right? Yeah, as we saw in Hathaway's Flash, the capital is essentially where the government's having a meeting. That's it, and that can be almost any city. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bernadette then returns to Jupiter a year later as as Tetanith. She's going back, Isaac, to take a very, like, you know, rich person job. She's going to be managing the remaining assets of Dogati's fortune, basically, as in, like, a trust group. One day, she her cat, who I think is named Black Raw, which I guess it's supposed to be their, their shipping name, so now I guess we know where we got it, but or maybe she named her cat after the Black Rose shipping name. That probably makes more sense. The cat escapes and uh, finds a man who picks it up and asks her to hire him, and lo and behold, Isaac... It's Tobia, but he's going by Curtis now, and he's, uh, what happened to him, Isaac? He's not exactly all together. No, he's been a bit damaged by the battle in a way. He's a changed man, Brian. (laughs) But you know what? Whatever damage he's taken, disability even, he decided to move on with his life and become a new person in a new sphere. Yeah, he's been blinded, Isaac. He has no more sight. He's wearing some cool glasses, much like Char did in the... Zeta Gundam, but he's actually blind. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are not to, like, hide his eyes, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> you literally can't see. And he's got, like, black hair now. You know, he doesn't have the blonde hair anymore. He's got darker skin, though. Do you, did you see that? Like, why do, why are all the Jovians so tan? Shouldn't it be the opposite? I was thinking about that. I was like, did the blast sort of give him, like, a burn? <laughs> yeah, like a permanent one? Maybe. His hair's noticeably darker, too. Yeah. I was like, you know what? This is kind of the disguise. That's that's what I was going with. Like, who knows how many officers in the Jupiter Empire or whatever it is now, Jupiter Republic, know what what Tobia is, who he looks like, and all that. What he looks like and all that. Right. So this was very much an effect of uh, he's got a new name, new look. And no one's gonna look for him. And plus, you know, he's he's with Bernadette Tetanith. So yeah. with the respect they give her, he he's gonna get a pass. Yeah, that's fair. And then, Isaac, we get the last line of Twinkerbell's story that basically, from then on, no one knows who he was, but from then on, there was always a young man by Princess Tetanith's side, and uh, clearly, it was Tobia. So, you know, he kept his promise, he found her at Jupiter, and there we go. That is the end to Operation Steel 7. That's it. it. But Brian, is this the end of the Jupiter Empire? I mean, <laughs> has the menace finally been defeated for good now that Tetanith <laughs> is essentially on the throne of Jupiter, ready to watch over it with her peaceful eye? <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm going to say no because there's three, you know, again, there's three more series. There's Mobile Suit Crossbone Gundam Ghosts, Mobile Suit Crossbone Gundam Dust, and uh, the new one, which I think is like X. X11. The next one, which is Ghost, that is being translated by a translating group out there. They're not done, but they're making good progress. I think they do a chapter a month. But you know what? I mean, this is kind of par for the course, right? Look how much trouble the Earth Sphere has had just dealing with Xeon, you know, and Neo Xeon movements and all that. So it, it makes sense that however you define Jupiter's ideology, it's going to keep making problems and always have believers. Yeah, and if the Federation's response was to send inspectors, right, I don't know that that's going to do the job. Like, if I was the Federation, I'd be like, look, (laughs) 
you guys lose, you're going to be part of the Federation now. Brian, it was the most Federation response. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's not enough, and it's also like, eh, (laughs) we'll do the bare minimum in this situation. This was the cheapest. We'll send two guys out there, and they'll they'll figure it out. So yeah, a couple of Jigans for security. <laughs> <laughs> two Jigans. So Isaac, I guess my one question for you is: Now you've read all of Crossbone, Skullheart, and Steel Seven. You've read the the complete sort of Tobia trilogy. I mean, Tobia comes back later on, but this is like him as a young man, right? How do you animate this? What format are you going for? Number of episodes? What do you what do you think this fits into? The whole shebang, right? Like Crossbone, Skullheart, and this. I feel like I would want to keep it close to its original style, which in a way kind of fits because if you remember Victory, it had a very rounded look to it. Not chippy, mm-hmm. but yeah. not necessarily as crisp and clear as something like Zeta. Right. So I feel like if you find a balance between those two, you just go for it and do it. Yeah. How about you? You you think you do something middle of the road? Do you go more towards a, a rounded kind of anime look, like Gundam Age, or do you want to do something more crisp Zeta style? No, I think I would go balls to the wall, just I'd adapt it the way it looks, you know, with the cool sort of 80s hair. Crossbone is, has a very distinct style, and I think it would be a shame to lose it and just turn it into kind of, I don't know, the normal style. So I, I think I would keep the style, and then in terms of like format, I think I would do Crossbone, the the first series first, and then I, afterwards, or maybe as like some web episodes or something, I would do the Skullheart stories, you know, kind of one by one, because they're funny for the most part. Maybe a, maybe a serious one for the Amuro story. Right, yeah. I don't know in terms of length, though, for Crossbone Gundam. Yeah, maybe you could do a whole, a whole season, maybe one 26 episode. Okay. Or Unicorn It, where it's like, I don't know. It's six movies, eight movies, 12, something like that. Yeah, I mean, if you could get the higher budget to do it that way, I'd, I'd be all for that, too. And then for Steel 7, I think I would do the same thing, probably some OVA type type thing. Maybe you could even right. try to do three if they were extra long. Because this last volume, Mize, it could move pretty quick. Yeah, it was, I mean, well, so much time had been wasted. <laughs> <laughs> they only had hours to save the world. <laughs> Any other thoughts, Isaac, before we get to our horrors or... What are your overall thoughts on the series, I guess? I thought, okay, so we had Crossbone Gundam, which we thought was amazing. Yep. Even though I went into it a little bit dismissive. And then we had um, Steelheart, um, or Skullheart, I'm sorry. <laughs> and that was very much, um, I'd say campy and fun in a way. Almost like a, a bonus series, a bonus episode. Then we got here to Steel 7, which I feel like in a way... That's pretty close to rivaling Crossbone Gundam. Yep. So if you enjoyed Crossbone Gundam, definitely check this out. Or if you want like an epic story with super weapons and great uh, fights on Earth and in space and, and the whole squad forming up, uh, underdog story, this is definitely what you should check out. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I recommend it. And that's why I give it five out of five Haros. Totally agree. You know, it just expands on the goodness of Crossbone, like you said. So if you if you like Crossbone, this is for you. I like the Crossbone mangas because they don't pull any punches, Isaac. Like, this was a suicide mission, and a lot of people died. They didn't all come home. It didn't end super happy, right, for everybody. I mean, yeah, the world was saved, but it was brutal to get there. 
And it was just very suspenseful, flowed very well. I was very engaged while reading it. I always say that when you're reading whatever it is, a book, a manga, a comic, and you find yourself bored, that's usually not a good sign. This, however, uh, I wasn't bored. It did really feel like you were watching a Gundam anime. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I'm on board for the next Crossbone after this. I, I have no reason <laughs> not to read it, I suppose, right? What mobile suit model Gunpla would you want for the third part? Oh, man, it'd be cool to have the whole, the whole seven. Wow. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be pretty cool. It'd be pretty cool. I'm on the fence about the dick die just because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think transformable mobile suits are always the, are, are, they're not always the best choice to right. build and buy. Yeah. And by that, I mean something usually gets lost in the process of gunpla when you transform compared to like, the actual anime series where they can make certain parts of the mobile suit just disappear sure. or, or collapse into yes, each other. Absolutely. So I'd actually want to find our missing uh, Jupiter Empire grunt suit that has kind uh, of the the dome and all that, which, yeah, that, that I thought that was a very cool look to it. It's very, if you vaguely remember, the uh, Space Revolutionary Army, um, their type mobile suits from mm. uh, Gundam X, which were very rounded designs. They're mono-wise, but they had a very dome type approach to the heads and the shoulders good design look yeah i, I mean i like the x1 full cloth um there is a master grade of that it's a little old now 2007 so it's a little bit older of a kit but it does come with all those weapons isaac it comes with the peacock smasher and the muramasa blaster so that's pretty fun i don't know the the vignagina too is kind of neat it's red <clears throat> they do actually sell a re reborn 100 version of that so if you know it's a little expensive but it, it does exist so and i guess i should say i don't know if you can make the whole seven in the high grade line but in the master grade line you can definitely make harrison's f91 they sell that they obviously make the full cloth they make the big nagina too they do make an f90 so you can make at least four out of the seven they don't sell a diona and they don't sell a tortuga or a abajo though and i don't think those are probably high on the list isaac yeah, not. No, they wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll make Reborn 100s out of them or something, but de- I don't think they're going to get a Master Grade anytime soon. But It would be a waste. Yeah. <laughs> they do make a high-grade Diktai, I think. Really? They do, yeah. I think I saw pictures of it. That's really surprising. It has like these cool beam effect parts for the hand form, which is neat. So. Whoa. That's pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's so obscure, isn't it? It is obscure. I think, you know, I think it's gotten some exposure. People see it from more from the video games probably than they do the uh, the actual manga. So I just sent you a wow. picture of the of the dick die model. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Looks about how I thought it would. I'm curious how it transforms and stuff. Oh, man. Those feet are just death. <laughs> <laughs> but those are better than high heels, right? Yeah, but not by much. These are just so <laughs> long and pointy. It's, oh, God. <laughs> you know what the dictus reminds me of isaac is do you remember in outlaw star those like space pirate henchmen that had red eyes and like claw fingers yeah the uh k pirate kind of troops yes do you see that you see what i'm talking about yeah very spindly and they got uh-huh. kind of like the white armor and white face mask and yes the blue like tight fitting suit underneath that's yeah. right those guys were yeah those guys were interesting That'd be a great mobile suit design. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, look, that some of the designs are weird and crossbone, but you got to give it to Hasegawa in terms of originality, right? It's not like he he didn't bring you a, a Jagan with some missile launchers on it. Yeah, very true, very true. But uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't rush to buy this one, but if I ran into it and it's pretty rare, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I still, I think I like the Divinidad better, though. Absolutely. Oh, God, that would be such like a, a centerpiece, wouldn't it? Like, it would, yeah. Jesus. Like literally, it'd take up like your whole room because the thing's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bigger than multiple mobile suits combined and stuff. Yeah, it's just there, they would. There's no way they'd make a master grade, right? It'd no, have to be one forty-four no. scale or less. Yeah, they do make the dendrobium, and that one I think is it's a weird scale. It's like like a three hundredth scale or three thirtieth. I think I forget. Okay. Uh, see, it needs to be a scale where you have an accompanying unit two to go or unit three to go in it. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I think they do. They do give you a unit three to go with it, but it you know okay. it obviously wouldn't go with any of your other high grade kits in terms of scale. It looks out of place, right? Yeah. Let, listeners, tell us your thoughts on Crossbone. Have you read Crossbone? What do you think about it? I mean, is this something that you want to see animated, or is this just too different? And you're like, I hope that they don't ever do this for the next 100. I'm just curious what the fandom thinks. I guess. Do you feel like the Colony Laser? was the right choice for the threat or do you feel kind of like it was very it was very return of the jedi where well really we have to blow up another death star like didn't the enemy think like to, to put something else together like, <laughs> no it's another death star <laughs> all right isaac well I'm, I'm thoroughly satisfied by our crossbone gundam adventure and uh you know one day we'll explore the next one probably when the the group finishes translating and i think they're probably around halfway or a little more than halfway now so one day, we'll continue our journey with uh, Tobia, or should I call him Curtis now? It's Curtis now. Curtis, the blind bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Isaac, take his way. All right, listeners, before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed, put your hands together, get on your knees, look up at the ceiling, and hail Callisto's shadow. Good night, everybody.